That's right. It's Friday, and the dice are screaming are oh. coming at you. Oh. Yeah, you were warned. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. That's right. The dice are screaming. WCUZ, the Scuzz, coming at you live on Anchor FM <laughs> with Mike and Randy in the zoo with Joe Richter with sports. <laughs> ah, and Froth with the Hog Report. That's right, the Hog Report. <laughs> hey. Signing Platypus, we love you. Welcome to Friday. That's right. Yep. Tomorrow's my birthday. Yeah. Yep. Congratulations. Yeah, I made it around the sun. Another year in the can. Yeah. Kicking around for half a century. Oh, Plus true. one year. Plus. Plus one. And yep. yeah, I'll be doing my 5-0 in yep. a little while. It's it's on the way. It's looming on the horizon. It's Shithuloid presence instilling fear in the Yeah, we're now the great old ones. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, I'm kind of an okay old one. Ah, all right. <laughs> Fair I wouldn't enough. say I'm great. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a great weekend. Hopefully, uh, the weather holds out for y'all. Uh, you know, it's nice outside here in uh, southwest lower Michigan, here in the Battle Creek area. Yeah, you'll have to forgive me if I'm barely lucid. Uh, I spent the day climbing up and down a ladder, painting the side of a building in the sun. So, uh. <laughs> I, I've got some extra fuel in the crazy tank tonight. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we'll put the kimono it is flapping in the breeze, Ooh. threatening to open at any moment. Well, hopefully that's all it's flapping in the breeze. <laughs> uh, coming at you here, we got uh, some topic lined up for you. So, uh, yeah, you uh, probably already know it if you looked at the header. We're talking about Greyhawk tonight. That's right. Uh, we talked about Salt Marsh, and of course, Greyhawk coming back a little bit uh, in style. Uh, back to home a little bit with the D and D set. Uh, the Ghost of Salt Marsh is uh, out and available. So, uh, a thing that I'm, you know. Uh, at at the same time, I'm literally filled with optimism and excitement, and yet filled with trepidation. Like, you know, when Disney buys a franchise for something else that I found beloved once upon a time. And, you know, you, you got to wonder, where's it going to go now? You know, where are they going to go with this? You know, and am I going to be happy when they get there or not? So, yeah, all right, I I have trepidation. But I also have excitement. I, I really want Greyhawk to be accessible to more people again. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that tonight, plus a couple others. We we don't have any call-ins tonight. Uh, no, Joe, we're not going to publish uh, your call-in. But we really appreciate all the sentiment, nonetheless. So uh, we're going to go to... Uh, I know, man. I love Midwesterners, too. Yeah, we're going to reference the call. But, uh, uh, you know, no need to play it back. But right on, man. You know, the Midwest is truly a laid-back place. Yeah, it is a, a different place. <laughs> There's a there is a vibe on the the coasts that I've, I've encountered on both coasts that is a little different. And I'm I'm not saying that any one of them is better than any of the others, but I'm I'm really in my comfort zone here in the Midwest. Yeah, and you know, um, the Midwest is where paladins lay down with thieves. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, the East Coast, you know. Hey, if the thief steals from you, I'll just play my character. Yeah, okay. And on the West Coast, whatever, man. You know, you want ducks in your fantasy game? Well, we got those. Yeah, we got some RuneQuest yes, for man. you, man. You know, ducks. Yeah, which we will be covering RuneQuest. Uh, we had uh, a pretty good time with that. So, uh, yeah. That's thing. But more on that, we're just uh, 
chewing air right now, so uh, we'll quit <laughs> babbling and we'll get to our advertisers. We'll do our little uh, paying the bills and then we'll be right back at you with a topic. So stick around. All right, and we're back. Uh, thanks for putting up with us on that intro there. We had a lot of fun, so uh, I spent most of my day at the Secretary of State's or the, for some of you, the Department of Motor Vehicles equivalent in Michigan. Three and a half hours of proving that I am who I am. Uh, if you've ever seen the show Reaper, uh, yeah, uh, the portal to hell uh, was located at the DMV uh, because, as the devil explained, anything that you know, any place on Earth that seems to you like you're in hell, is oftentimes an actual portal to hell. Uh, so obviously, that's why we have our portal at the DMV. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, you know. no, the rite of passage. You know, every four years I got to prove, you know, it just gets more and more onerous. But all right, so we're tonight talking about Greyhawk. Now, we spent a lot of time extemporizing about the salt marsh, and the reason why the uh, salt marsh took a lot of our time in explaining where, where you could go afterwards is because literally it was after you got a firm gateway into your camp, a campaign like that, you know, you want to continue on. Most of the time, otherwise it's a you know one shot. You're just going to do that and you're done. But the world of Greyhawk beckons to adventure. You know, you could have an undersea campaign. You could go to the Isle of Dread because it fits right in. And yeah. or uh, you know any of the modules like Dwellers of the Forbidden City on a long forgotten coastline, or you know Hidden Shrine of Tomoakan. Tomoakan, yeah. And so all those fit in, and they are Greyhawk. But let's dig into it, shall we? Yeah, we're talking early Greyhawk, okay? Uh, it's it's about time we did it. Uh, we're pulling the trigger on this one because uh, it's a love affair. Now, look, I'm an avid fan. You know, I, I kind of stride the boundaries between the two universes. I'm a huge fan of the Forgotten Realms and of Ed Greenwood, and we covered that in an earlier episode. Uh, but that does not dilute my affection and respect for Greyhawk. Uh, it, it was first with the most. It was the campaign world that was prominent at the moment that I really started to move into being a thoroughgoing gamer, not just a pickup gamer where you're like, oh, okay, that sounds like it would be nice. Let's let's try that. You know, there, there was that stage. And then it became, no, this, this is my thing. This is my this is my groove. This mm. is what makes me happy. Uh, there's going to be some gaming. And when I really hit my stride, there was Greyhawk. It was the, the principal campaign world available at that time. And it was enormous in scope. Right. And uh, it's had two iterations early on. Uh, early in 81, TSR released the World of Greyhawk Folio, which was... Preeminently the first campaign supplement that really uh, got the full treatment of TSR. Now, there had been City State of the Overlord from Judges Guild. And, uh, of course, as we'd be remiss, we didn't mention uh, RuneQuest with Glorantha uh, had been well uh, developed by Chaosium. But here was the big, you know, 830-pound gorilla in the room throwing down a campaign set. And it came with a map by Darlene. Um, I don't have her last name, forgive me, but that was just what it was signed as. And it was this gorgeous two-poster map, fully hexed out with its own little system that 
you know, gave the uh, clarity and scope of a fully fleshed out campaign without really too much uh, detail. It it wasn't that it was sparse, but it just was kind of spartan. It was just base, the basics. Told you about who was ruling and what the basic feel of the country was and moved on to the next. Yeah, what were the, you know, what what size was the country? Uh, you know, how many thousands upon thousands of people, you know, this one has 500,000 and this one has 300,000. This one is a philosocracy uh, mm-hmm. and this one is a majocracy. Uh, and this one over here is, you know, a basically a bandit kingdom. You're right. Literally named the bandit kingdoms. Uh, and, of course, you know, the land of Ayas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had to extrapolate from it where you were going to go with it. Okay, you you got some raw data. Uh, like, this country is 20% dwarves, and this country over here is 30% elves with, like, 10% half-elves. But you didn't get much more than that. You know, names no. of kings, of queens, and or council members ruling a place. And that was about it. Yeah, and uh, through... Uh... From the World of Greyhawk, articles in Dragon Magazine, and uh, the box set in 83, which expanded on it with not only just a weather system, but also where various ores and valuable metals were located, but also populations of humanoids and other meanies and baddies were set. But the one charm that Greyhawk had is everybody could do whatever they want because it wasn't really nailed down. So if you wanted a mighty dragon here or there... That was for you to determine where those things lie. Yeah, not a lot of rules, not a lot of hard and fast absolutes, just, you know, a rough approximation, not even really firm borders most of the time. Yeah, and they really extrapolated on the gods uh, from St. Cuthbert to Weejess, as well as um, Heroinus and Hexter, and as well as Ayaz, the old. And through that, you know, the campaign began to mature, and... uh, Using that as basically a guideline, it was still your world. You got to decide who those rulers that were named, what they were, and maybe you had alignment, maybe you had a general idea, because they had that too, I think, in the 83. Yes, approximate alignment of the current existing leadership. Like the Theocracy of the Pale was uh, beholden to Foltis of the Blinding Light, a (laughs) singular lawful deity whose... Uh, clergy tend to cast continual light in your eyes if you refuted their proclamations. Yeah. Foltis uh, of the arrogant a-holes. Yeah. Uh, you know, lawful jerks. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, you know, the marvelous thing I remember most was the Sea of Dust. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, and uh, it came its... with an explanation of its history, you know, yeah. magical apocalypse took place that the invoked left, devastation. Yes, the invoked devastation had left nothing but this sea of dust. Fine. And then the rain of colorless fire. Yeah. Jeez, what they use a material component? Potash or uranium two thirty two? Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, they really. Uh, that was a magical whoops. Uh, yeah, two mighty empires in the ancient times had went to war with each other and threatened each other with mighty spells. And, and remember, this was like 1981, uh, yeah. you know, heart of the Cold War. So, you know, that was the total destruction of civilization and then rebuilding from the ashes was a popular recurring theme in pretty much every form of media. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and so you had different races of humans, the Oridians, the Baklunkish, the Sul, 
and the Flan, as well as the various races that you would become familiar with, dwarves, hill dwarves, mountain dwarves, and of course the three core races of elves, uh, with their attendant uh, sub-races, the Grugrak and the, oh geez, what the Valley we, Elves. The Valley Elves, yeah. These are Valley Elves. Wild Elves! Yeah, Wild Elves and Valley Elves. Grunge Elf. Mm. Indeed. And, you know, it all started from Gary's campaign, the Lake Geneva Tactical Studies Association. This was a lot of the games like uh, The Great Kingdom, uh, Greyhawk, uh, Blackmoor, were all part of a wargaming community when they started. Yeah, these were just loose concepts designed to give a name to the general area in which they were holding their events, uh, imaginarily, you know, the to give some kind of thematic background, because you you can't be in the service of a king if you have no idea who the king or queen are. You know, why are we here? Why are we doing this? Yeah, and um, each one of the players was nominally the ruler of that said area, and then you know the fortunes of war would take their course. But that was with chainmail, and then following the release of Dungeons and Dragons, they used that as kind of the basis for it, and then play began. And this is one of the big attractions of the world of Greyhawk now. In the first edition Dungeon Master's Guide, we're familiar with a lot of things like the Rod of Self and Parts, the Eye and Hand of Vecna, the Sword of Kos. One of my favorite sections is the Artifacts section, because it includes a little backstory on the Artifacts. Uh, Joy D's just, Mask. Uh, yeah, it was great reading. Uh, you know, Queen Elysia's Mar- uh, Marvelous Nightingale. Uh, and the was, Ring of Gax. And uh, what was that pen? was a feather quill. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was actually uh, a demigod's well, Something's well, quill. Yeah. Coals uh, or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember that, but Heward's mystical organ. <laughs> What's better than roses on your piano? Tulips on your organ. <laughs> hey, I'm here all week. It's time to pump the old organ. Oh. And then we'll make some music. Okay. <laughs> Oh. Uh, we should not be allowed to have access <laughs> to public venues. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I saying, really shouldn't. Uh, but excuse us, we had, I had to do. Um, so <laughs> yes, you <laughs> settling back down to keywords unflagging organ uh, uh, and uh, yeah, oh the mighty servant of Luko. Yeah, Luko. But uh, and the coat of Arnd. Oh, the invulnerable coat of Arnd. Yeah, these were all things that had history in the world of Greyhawk. Now, of course, you could uh, supplement them in other campaigns. You could transfer them, you know, pile off a few things here and there and make it your own. You know, oh, change yeah, a name change a name, you know, a little alteration of the background story. And with the Dun- Dungeon Master Guide, it also included a table of perpetually shifting powers for artifacts. Uh, so you could randomly generate them in a new campaign, and the people who sought out such and such an item once upon a time in another campaign do not get the same item with the exact same powers, mm-hmm. uh, which was smartly thought out so that every campaign would be a little different. Yeah, they learned that from Eldritch Wizardry. Yeah, Smart. giving out all the uh, powers at once, and like, oh yeah, so then everybody could just recite by rote and memory what these items and powers had. Yeah, and no, no apprehension about what you were tinkering with. Like, uh, I don't know. 
In the last campaign, this artifact only made my hair turn white when I healed a member of the party. This time, it might give me, you know, like, mutant space herpes. I, just, there's yeah, no or a bad ca case of acne. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you, you could get off light and just, you know, need a case of Clearasil. Or you could burn down the entire neighborhood by accident. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just casting a cure serious wounds. Could go either way. Right. And so, nonetheless, um, this is where it all began. And, of course, a lot of the players who uh, started in the campaign began making their own spells because the spell lists were a little sparse at first. And so, to spice them up, people started bringing in new spells and ideas for spells, draw yeah. midgets, uh, instant, instant summons. summons. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tensor's floating disc. Yep. Uh, and the Big B hand spells. Oh, yes. All of the Big B spells. Uh, <laughs> Big B's rude gesture. Oh, oh, know. hey, whoa! Yeah, what was that called for? No, it was not. Yeah, I actually had to uh, deliver a Big B's rude gesture today. Wow! Uh, <laughs> but I gave a guy a wide berth with my car while he was walking his dog, and I, I was happy to do it too. Okay, I, you know, he's got his dog, man. You know, you give him extra space. I don't know why that irritated the crap out of him, but the dude looked like he was about to lose his mind. You know, just yelling and... You know, like, wow, okay, next time I'll remember to lean in close and pop the side door open on you. Just pow! Uh, you know, send wow. you for a tumble. But, uh, you know, I was in no mood to be chewed out for my kindness, so <laughs> he got the bird. But back to Greyhawk again. Uh, we... Sorry for the wandering in the weeds. It's been a long day. Woo! Um, the whole part of this was is that this is where it kind of began. So it was ground zero. So you kind of felt like you were trotting on legendary ground. Oh, and look, remember that this is also filtered through the memory of people who literally 35 years ago plus picked these up for the first time and went, wow. Okay, it was our first contact moment. Like coming in in meeting an alien for the first time, where you barely understand the language. That was hurdle number one. Uh, so here was this campaign world with an enormous scope. Uh, so big, and yet oddly so empty. There was so little in the way of blanks filled in. They were just ideas. Uh, and then the rest was up to you. You were really on your own. Now, I'm also a big fan of that. Uh, I liked Ed Greenwood and Forgotten Realms' style of filling in considerably more of the background and then dropping hints all over the place in the text to give you ideas on, well, now here's the thing that's area-appropriate, uh, and, you know, now over here we think there may be a beholder involved, and over here there's a tribe of goblins that has newly, you know, started pushing out of their new traditional lands. And nods and winks. Greyhawk gave you none of that. It was all on you. Uh, right, but they also put the modules fairly firmly within. Exactly. The modules cropped up one by one, and they were all set in specific locations inside Greyhawk after a certain point. Which gave them kind of an air of authenticity. Like, you kind of got this idea that, hey, this was where these were played. This is where these uh, kingdoms struggled against these horrors or these calamities hinted at in the modules or dealt with some of the events therein. Um, kind of like uh, 
you found out like uh, what was that module? Oh goodness, um, White Plume Mountain that had that map with all the things like here's Dragosa's uh, Lair. Beware, yeah, Draco Lich. Before there was really Draco Liches. Yeah, before there was. Well, I mean, it's kind of the reason there is such. A yeah, thing. you know, you know the the mere implication of such a creature left people crying out, "Oh my gosh, this totally has to be a thing." The hut of Thin Gizzard. Beware her potions. You know, like what's going on over here. And so that also helped, and, but that was just the hint of what you could do. Now some people, you know, they wanted more, and of course later uh, sets and campaign settings gave, indeed, what was being asked for, more. But Greyhawk was kind of your thing. You were in charge, and you decided where it went, and no one could hold you to it. And Greyhawk has a large community of devoted fans. Now... We kind of have to address that a little bit. That some of the people who have played in Greyhawk and made it their own kind of have a very narrow scope of what they think Greyhawk is. Oh, well, I mean, and some of them have a pretty narrow scope of what they think gaming is. Uh, Just, I've I've never fully grasped the insistence. I I know that the popular word to call it is gatekeeping. Uh, I just, you know, call it being an idiot. Because, honestly... There's a whole lot of different styles of gameplay out there. And I've played at enough tables that I've seen so many of them that it's really hard to cast a judgment like, well, now this is the one true way. There is no one true way. Did you have a good time? Well, then you won. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only way to win at this. Did you have a good time? Then right. You won. And so a lot of people have uh, associated Greyhawk with a very narrow focus. Like, there's only specific events. That happened here and they happened this way. Well, that's just not true. Uh, it's your campaign. You run it how you want. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, uh, major caveat, uh, when you interact with this campaign setting, you set the parameters each time. You yeah, know? and your players can change the scope of it with their actions. So maybe they didn't uh, stop the giants. Maybe they decided to do something else or they were defeated or whatever. All right, play in an ancient time period and... Uh... Have there not be a sea of dust and a rain of colorless fire and, you know, all invoked devastation. You know, maybe they, they prevented it from happening in the first place. Yeah. You, know? I mean, you can play in any era if you've got enough imagination and you fill in the blanks on your own. And that's what gaming is about. Go fill in your own blanks. Be a creator. That's being bit by the bug. Right. So a lot of people are turned off because when they go looking for information in Greyhawk, they find these people who have a very rigid view of Greyhawk happened this way, this was Gygax's intention, and like, hey, that's great and all, maybe that's the official word, but your campaign doesn't have to follow that. And you don't have to be shackled to lore if it doesn't serve any purpose other than to make somebody else who doesn't play with you happy. Again, the original creators were pretty unflinching in their statements in the DMG. You know, they they were pretty much uniformly in favor of maximum creativity. Get out there and do your own thing. There's a table in the back called Six Guns and Sorcery where you get adjustment tables for hand-to-hand or, uh, you know, uh, firearms in the D&D system in the event that these things should, you know, calamitously crash into one another. If that doesn't tell you that gaming was a crazy hodgepodge of whatever idea crossed your mind and they were trying to equip DMs to be ready to wing it, I, I don't know how else to get it across. You know, So right. maximum creativity was always the watchword. And then 
these terrific campaign setting, you know, ideas came forth, and they're your guideline, okay? It's it's there like, you know, uh, oh, a uh, paint by colors, you know, where sure, if all right, theoretically, well, it would be nice if this were green. But there's no law that says you can't have a red hippopotamus if you feel like it. Uh, you know, just I think that's half how half the Pinfolio got made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Have you seen the Pinfolio? Yeah, I have. some freaky level stuff. But, yeah, the, the idea that it's such a hard and fast rule, if you happen to be walking into the Greyhawk campaign and you're looking at it as an ocean and you run into these folks who have some really bizarre I, I literally have no explanation for how it got that way. I I, I can't It's understand. primarily because um those aforementioned articles from Dragon magazine had some events that were happening and the way that Greyhawk was set up it was a world in transition. Oh. There were so many uh political alliances that had been formed because of the entrance of new antagonists namely Ayas and the rise of the great kingdom trying to re, re uh, assert its authority in the east and its breakaway uh, take its breakaway kingdoms back under control again well and to, to get back on the praises i mean living greyhawk was a yeah but that's kind of for a more that's after a couple of other things but we're just talking about the initial set oh yeah that it would take it leaving Greyhawk another time. Yeah, we're okay. going to do that in the second one. All we're right. not going to really touch on that right now. Yeah, but that, we're just but, talking but about. But it was continually evolving as people wrote more material and filled in more blanks. Uh, but once again, that doesn't change what a DM does at their table. You know, right? It's all on you. The power, and I have said this before, the power lies with every single DM. To right. decide what is and what isn't. One of the most contentious uh, supplements to come out early, or in the later part of the first edition era was the value of the mage, just right at the transition point between first and second edition. The value of the mage, it was just kind of like no one knew who he was. And, you know, he was uh, attended to by these mysterious gray elves, and he had uh, an enclave of gnomes and uh, kind of wary humans from expatriates from other countries, and he had just kind of made this new area for himself. So the Valley of the Mage had always kind of been this mysterious area, and the TSR had detailed it. And there was a huge backlash, because everybody had a different version of who the mage in the valley was. And, you know, I noticed at that point, that's when people started getting argumentative of what it was, you know, to be playing in Greyhawk and what was an official version. And then... The second edition came, and uh, with that came a box set called the Greyhawk Wars, which was a neat little war game, and it had a history of how the Greyhawk Wars played out. All these building tensions finally came to head, and here's what happened. And some countries disappeared, other places were destroyed, and everything was changed with this supplement, and it was kind of ham-fisted, but they were trying, in their own way, to give kind of some closure and move the setting forward. And it, again, you know, this is yet another first because a major structural alteration to an in-use campaign setting with, you know, it, they had not yet done this with Forgotten Realms. Yeah, that was coming. Uh, that was coming. 
you know, with their God's words. And I disapproved of that as well. Uh, because it fundamentally altered uh, what I was expected to play with in the later released edition. So, you know, an enormous amount of editing was required on my part to avoid brushing up against the craziness that was unleashed. Greyhawk, there was a lot of hurt feelings there, too. Yeah. You're, you're right to mention it, dude. It just, there were... It, considerable it, contentions amongst people who were not thrilled with the outcomes. Right. It changed things, I think, for the better, but it was a hard pill to swallow at first. And then later they would come out uh, with the From the Ashes box set, which moved the campaign oh, forward. I remember that. And, you know, some people loved it or hated it. I personally loved it because Carl Sargent lavished detail that had been long neglected onto Greyhawk. And I'm speaking here as a Greyhawk lore nerd. I've been an administrator and a moderator on uh, Canaan Fire and worked with a lot of people that were involved with the later aforementioned uh, Living Greyhawk. But I really liked From the Ashes. It gave a darker tone and it filled in a lot of details. And it also gave room for the DM to interpret Maybe the Greyhawk Wars didn't change what you think it changed, and it made it different in your campaign. So, here's some ideas to go on. And it really covered the country in details that had not been done before. Now, for again, in the wild woolly days, where there was just lots of empty and open spaces for you to interpret, this was a drastic new direction for some people, and some people just did not like it. And I can't say for certain, like, that's a good or bad thing. You have to make that decision for yourself. Oh, yeah. And I think it was just, I think it was well done, and I think uh, Carl Sargent treated it very lovingly and respectfully. It was a well-prepared well product. Okay? Yeah. Whether you agreed with the outcomes or not, or felt that the ideas were particularly useful to you personally or not, uh, this was not some cheap Charlie. We slapped together a couple notions and bang, we got something on the table. This this was quality product. Uh, From the Ashes was a, you know, a really solid. Piece but could we of expect no less from one of the authors of the Enemy Within campaign? Yes, Carl Sargent of uh, Warhammer fame. Uh, you know, yeah. he was a big uh, Greyhawk fan, and he loved all the stuff that uh, a lot of the fans did, and he was taken aback by the. Uh, the venom that was cast his way by the fans, and you know, he just uh, he left it uh, not in a huff, but he just like, yeah, well, I tried. Yeah, I mean, you know, he gave it his best shot, and I mean, they they had a vision, and he hoped to bring it to life. Uh, some people didn't receive it well, and that's kind of the loud vocal minority I, that I think you I, run into sometimes when Greyhawks mentioned. Actually, I don't want to blame Greyhawk alone because I mean, nerdery in general. Uh, this is a facet of our yeah. fandoms. Yep, I know. Uh, whether it's Star Trek versus Star Wars, uh, Predator versus Alien. Uh, or an old TV series, Star Trek versus The Next Generation. Yeah, uh, you will find nerds more than ready to divide along incredibly partisan lines and then rip each other apart uh, and treat each other with vehemence over the smallest of details. You know, PS4 versus Xbox. You know. Uh. Uh, yeah, they're both play games. Linux versus Windows. Okay, well, that one's a pretty easy one to make. <laughs> uh, you know, these these disputes, 
uh, just seem to be endemic of uh, human nature, especially yeah. among those of us with these unusual pastimes. But I would become so much more popular. But so, I wanted to address it strictly in the terms of just the Greyhawk. Uh, yeah, Greyhawk has not been immune to this. No, as Greyhawk, uh, the old versus the new. I noticed that there's some people who are rigidly entrenched. The original box set, yes, as it plays, it you know it's your playground. It is not a um, railroaded story type game. It is. It does have a story, and it's there if you want it. And thus, it's also subtle, so you can ignore it if you want. If you have your own ideas, what to do. Well, and I, I want to throw out an idea here, you know, and I'm just spitballing this. But who knows? It could snowball into a bigger thing. Uh, they've already done us all the kindness of re-releasing the original books, the, the big three. Yep. DM Guide, Player's Handbook, Monster Manual. And it was a fantastic gesture. It was well-received. They've done it with the second edition and third edition books, yeah. too. They have been bringing back the old games in the condition that they were in at the time with no post-editing. Just this is the raw material that yep. people played at this time. So those who had lost their books many long years ago and couldn't afford to drop, you know, several hundred bucks on eBay can find those, you know, useful manuals once again and pick up the game they love. And also the PDFs. I recommend that for Greyhawk. You know, a, a treatment for that campaign setting. I would love to see as they're releasing some new, updated, changed Greyhawk, do their thing with that. But also, do the world the kindness of releasing the original Greyhawks box set again, some beautiful new, clean edition, and let new players have their own adventures in that familiar old setting. Well, if you download the PDF from uh, the Wizard site, um, I forget what, they're, what theirs is called. Somebody will probably correct us in the comments. But... Um, yeah, you go to the wizard site, you can send that straight to Lulu or um, even um, office supplies stores like Kinko, Kinko's and all that. And they'll uh, bind you a book for it. They'll make you a book for about 30, 40 bucks. Not bad. Yeah, yeah and uh, you would have prices. a hardback of Greyhawk. I see somebody just did that recently of the uh, box set. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, so, you know, you can have it done because it's a legal PDF, you know, as long as you have the uh, Providence you know, chain that you bought it and it's got your name on it and everything else and email. They'll do it and they'll send it right to you and it's pretty cheap. Uh, it beats uh, trying to, as Mike said, find one on eBay or you know, oh. any of the other sites and, you know, paying like two, three hundred dollars for a mint box set. <laughs> you might as well invest in gold. Yeah. So. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh. But it, they're available and I, I do praise Wizards for finally taking the initiative. Oh, it's a DM's Guild, that's what it is. Uh, that's the site you can go to and download all the stuff that's ever been published and as well as new stuff that people are creating and uh, you can get that from them and uh, you know they made it available and I think that's a great step for Wizards is uh, making all this stuff uh, it's PDFs but you can also get that uh, copied and printed up for you on uh, real paper and uh, you know if you want to go cheaper out spiral bond it you know I had a guy uh, tell me that uh, he did uh, the slave lords in had him spiral bound for eighteen dollars, full color. Oh yeah, I used to know a manuscript uh, preparation service that worked for a lot of the people over at MSU. Uh, that would create uh, quick bound, uh, lower cost options because it was less burdensome for uh, grad level students to 
have precisely the tidbits from like four different books that they needed. So yeah. there was like 10% of this textbook and 30% of this one and then 15% of this one over here and then 35% of that one. The professor could manufacture their own textbook, sell it at base cost. Uh, well, yeah, but Lulu, you know, and uh, Kinko's and all these other places, office supplies and uh, Staples, I believe, all do this uh, as a service. You just, you can email it to them and they'll, you know, they'll yeah. pick it up. And I, I recommend the, the process. But I would still love to see a beautiful, well-made, uh, with the box, you know, just... Still oh yeah, shrink wrapped so that you're the one peeling. You're like, yes, I'm that kind of nerd. And I told you that the tank is full of crazy today. I wasn't kidding. No, he wasn't. That's the level of nerd I am. The actual moment of tearing away the wrapper on a brand new box set and looking at the pages for the first time. I would love to know that there are other people out there having that first moment with a Greyhawk box set uh, of the old edition exactly as it was when I first ran across it. All right. Well, I think that is a good place to end it up for yeah. part one here. We'll talk about that. That's one of our uh, early memories, and, of course, uh, it's near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, next time we'll launch into stuff like the Living Greyhawk campaign and some other amazing firsts that came out of the Greyhawk era. Yeah, we'll uh, start off with the uh, uh, From the Ashes and where it took it and into third edition with the Living Greyhawk, and then... Uh, where you kind of ended up and uh, some of the things and then we'll uh, also cover about playing Greyhawk uh, So our next episode so stick around next Tuesday make sure you check us out then But again if you enjoyed what we we're talking about or you have any questions comments or concerns because I have a few concerns About my co-host right about now and uh, you know <laughs> uh, If you have that you can get a hold of us on our Facebook page at the Dexter Screaming Facebook, and of course, you can get us a hold of us on Twitter. I'm at Death Hand Gaming. That's D E T H Gaming, and Magi Vox at Twitter. Yeah, and you can get all those there. Talk to us directly. Let us know what you think, what you liked, and what you didn't like. But we'll catch up with you next time. So may, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>